spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. What's up, Halo fam? Halo Joe here. Just wanted to thank each and every one of you for checking out this new episode. Make sure to keep it tuned here to Halos in the Infields Baseball Network all season long as we drop content every day. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Also make sure to crack the like button and leave a comment. Make sure you also smash that bell icon to be notified every time we drop an episode or go live. Also check us out on our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. We can also be found on Apple Pod, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Don't forget to leave that five-star review. Thank you again, Halo fam, and with that, let's get this show on the road. The Angels, world champions! Oh, and first pitch crushing! Hey, welcome into another episode of Halo's Theme Field with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. The Lone Star Halo. Lone Star Halo. It is audio only for everybody out there, so we're not doing any uh, any YouTube on this episode, so if you're obviously listening to us on podcast form, uh, welcome in. So uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Fernando? Uh, well, let's just say that things in the halos in the infield universe have been a little topsy-turvy for all of us. Your boy is currently going through. Uh, Todd has his, his situations going on. So, uh, it's been a really interesting, uh, week, but the show must go on. So we're here to just kind of talk a little bit about what's going on in the Angels baseball world going into spring training. And let's talk about a little bit about the Angels that are going to be that I'm talking ahead that are going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic and what to expect with that. So, uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting episode. It'll be an episode that might be all over the place, but we're going to get through it. Halo fam. Exactly. We're going to be talking about a lot of players, like you said, participating. It's going to be pretty exciting because this is one thing that I think all baseball fans, or at least most of them, can can understand is the fact that uh, this is pretty fun since Major League Baseball has come up with this. And I'd like to see this more than just, you know, every, you know, two to four years. It'd be nice to have this on a, on a yearly basis. But uh, it is what it is, and we're going to enjoy it while it's here, right? Yeah, I mean, I th- we were supposed to have it. Was it 2020, but COVID hit, or was it 2021? I want to say it might have been 2021, because 2017, was that the last World Baseball Classic? No, I think it was 16, so 20, 2020 was supposed to be the year. Yeah, but they they, they uh, got rid of it, obviously, because of COVID. I'm looking it up right now to see if it was 16 or 17. Uh, chances are you're correct. No, no, so it was 06, 09, 13, 17 and now 2023 oh okay so it was 17 yeah that was the year where adam jones robbed manny machado of that home run at petco park in center field yes yeah that was also the year that the u.s won which actually took me by surprise in 2017 because out of all the years that the uh, the u.s has competed which is obviously every world baseball classic i feel like that was probably like one of their weakest rosters yeah, I think uh, that wasn't the one with uh, with Wright on it, right? David Wright, or was no? Uh, Eric Hosmer was on the team. Yeah, because I know the one with David Wright. That's the one where everyone wanted them to win because you know Captain America and everything else like that. Uh, they they wanted them to have that uh, Avengers like style uh, win for the United States, but they couldn't get it done that year. I forget who won. It may have been Korea or Japan. In what? Or, oh, uh, yeah. The yeah, uh, I think Japan won the first two, and then I think it was the Dominican Republic, and then the Team USA. Okay, yeah, there you go. But uh, I'm yeah, but you know, obviously with the U.S. winning, that would that invigorated everyone here in the nation to watch it more, and 
And uh, so they were very competitive this last one. So we're looking forward to this one because the roster that they put together on paper, it looks pretty damn excellent out there. Dude, it's crazy. I'm looking at the 2017 roster, and the Angels don't – I don't think they had a single player. That, uh, I'm double-checking, but I don't think they had a single player on Team USA in 2017. Wow, that's crazy. And now yeah. you know, we're going to go through the players that are actually participating in the World Baseball Classic in general. There's a ton of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to the list. It's pretty, it's pretty extensive, but, uh, yeah, I'm still tripping over the fact 2017, literally zero players on team USA, but I'm trying to think realistically besides trout who could have been on team USA in 2017, who, you know, they actually would have wanted, you know, I mean, maybe Cameron Maven. I don't know. That's a stretch because the angels mediocre year, uh, mediocre players that year. So. Hey, hey, that 2017 was 2017 team was fun. Eric Young Jr. single-handedly carrying the Angels into almost playoff contention. Yeah. When Trout was out. That's true, but I mean, like, as far as like you know, blow your blow your mind type players or players that you know you want to see. I don't think they had much to offer that year. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think this year, I mean, with the rosters that stacked i mean there you know there's a lot of halos players that are going to be making impact on this uh world baseball classic yeah okay let's um we we keep alluding to it so we might as well just go through um okay so this was posted by the angels uh today uh which is thursday the 9th you guys will be listening to this tomorrow so the biggest names are obviously mike trout for team usa otani for team japan Patrick Sandoval for Team Mexico, David Fletcher for the uh, Italy team. You got Luis Renjifo, Gio Urshela. You got Jose Quejada, Zach Wise, uh, Carlos Estevez, Jaime Barria, Gerardo Reyes, Cesar Valdez, Glenn Albanese, Aaron Whitfield, Jake Kalish, Gustavo Campero, Deshaun Knowles, and Alan Carter. So some of the minor league guys, maybe the typical fans might not be aware of, you know, Deshaun Knowles is a is a higher ranked prospect. So that's probably one of the prospects that I've listed that people would know. Um, so some of the big ones, aside from the obvious, you know, the Triton, the Otani, uh, everyone was kind of aware of Sandoval going for Team Mexico. Now, um, let me real quick explain for those of you guys who don't know. So the rules, if you want to represent an or a, a country. So either you have to be born in that country or one of your parents have to directly be born in that country to represent that country. So, for instance, like Tim Tebow was born in the uh, Philippines, though he is not Filipino. I don't believe he was going to represent Team Philippines because he was born in the Philippines and then COVID hit. So that's kind of how that works. I believe is it Patrick Sandoval's mom who was born in Mexico, I remember reading the story, but this was, you know, like a month and a half ago. So, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's oh, go ahead. No, no, no I, I was going to go ahead and reiterate the list, but. No, no go for it. Okay, so David Fletcher uh, for Team Italy. I, I don't exactly know too much of the players that Italy has, you know, on their roster. Renjifo is for what? Team Valenzuela? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Gerardo Reyes for Team Mexico. Uh, now, Gerardo Reyes is a guy, for those of you guys who don't remember, the Angels got in a trade from the Padres. Uh, was that in 2020 in the Jason Castro trade where they sent him to the Padres and we got Gerardo Reyes? I think so. I think you're right on that one. Okay. Let's see. So let's 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 talk about the two big guys there. Okay, so Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Obviously, the world has their eyes on those two men at all times, but especially in the World Baseball Classic. Are you excited about the potential of watching Mike Trout hit in an actual game against Shohei Otani? Oh, obviously, because we know we've never seen it before. So this is going to be something that's going to be really, really uh, intriguing 
And it's going to be a matchup that, you know, unfortunately, if things don't work out this year, we might see in the regular season, you know, with, with Shohei going somewhere else. So it's going to be one of those dream matchups where, you know, Tani's going to face uh, Trout straight up or, or uh, Trout might be chasing down a long fly ball by Otani. Who knows? So uh, it's, it's definitely going to be intriguing, dude, and I can't wait to see it. Do you think that uh, this will help Mike Trout um, get a little more, you know, maybe respect on him? Because the narrative's always been, well, Mike Trout's never been in the big game. You know, Mike Trout never makes the playoffs. We want to see Mike Trout in, you know, in some bigger games. Like, obviously, yes, this is a World Baseball Classic. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to bring a World Series championship to your team. But do you think a stage like this might help Trout maybe add to his legacy? Yeah, I think so, because if you saw the ratings for the World Baseball Classic, the semifinals and the championship, um, you know, the knockout stages, not so much the initial games, but the knockout stages and then the, the semifinals and all that, the ratings were high. And to, you know, people still remember that play, like you mentioned, in center field to rob the home run. You you still remember, you know, who was on that squad and how they won that championship. So, you know, those are sold out games. Those are big games, highly televised. Yes, they're not the baseball, you know, playoffs, but it's pretty huge to kick off a season and to have those kind of, because that's what you want to see. People don't want to see the exhibitions. If this was just an exhibition, it'd be boring. But the fact that they're winning, they're going to win a trophy with this. The fact that you got like real players out there and finally Mike Trout, like you said, playing in a world baseball classic for the first time. I think it, it, it'll put some shine on his career if they win it. What do you think made Mike Trout play, want to do the world baseball classic this year? Cause I mean, you know, he's had opportunities to do at least one other one or wait, two other ones. Right. Cause I said 13 and 17. Yeah. It, I think it's because I think he understands, you know, like this is, this is huge. There's because, I mean, you can look at any other country. And any other country except the U.S. the first couple times didn't really care. All the other ones, they were really into it. The Dominican Republic, Cuba, all of those, they, they had passion. They wanted to win. They wanted to win in the United States or wherever the World Baseball Classic was being played at the time. They wanted to show out for their country. And I think the U.S. didn't have that kind of mentality. Now, for whatever reason, the last couple World Baseball Classics, especially the last one, they were really involved and the players, you could tell they were just as excited as the other countries. And so by them, I think this is sort of like the world cup. It's, it's, it's not really about the games itself or the, it, it's about pride country pride. And I think finally the U S players have adopted that. And I think Mike Trout was like, look, those guys had fun. I want to be a part of that. Let me ask you this. Is it a bad idea for the World Baseball Classic to be uh, held during spring training? Um, I don't think so because I, I think it's it's leading up into the season starting. I think it would be more – I don't think it would have so much clout if it happened after the season because, you know, you had, you'd have football by that time. I think by, by, by the time the World Series is done, everyone's had their fill of baseball by that time. So it wouldn't be good to have it at the end. You know, if they were able to condense it maybe and do what hockey does where they have the, you know, sometimes they'll have their uh, Olympics or whatever. The Olympics will coincide with their season. So they take like two or three weeks off of the regular season and play the, you know, the, the, um, the Olympics uh, hockey in between. That would work. I think that'd be the only other thing I would say, because in around all-star game, uh, there really is not much going on. So if you're willing to take two, three weeks off or extend the season and put the baseball classic in the middle, I'd be fine with that too. But I think the way they have it right now is, I think it's good. Yeah, it just feels weird because like you have players who like break camp to go to the World Baseball Classic. And it sucks because it's like you want the players to go out there and you want them to represent their countries and, you know, and, and have a sense of pride and play some meaningful games. I mean, once again, yeah, you're not playing for a World Series, but at the end of the day, I mean, is spring training really that meaningful? My whole fear is obviously what everyone else's fear is players going playing in the World Baseball Classic and getting injured in these games. And then they come back to the organization and they're hurt for the year or, or whatever the case is. 
you know, it, it's a very normal thing. And it's something that a lot of fans fear. I mean, could you imagine your star player, you know, jumping up at the wall to rob a home run in the semifinals to get their team just a little closer to the World Baseball uh, Championship just to be out for the year because, you know, they fell on their shoulder when they fell from the wall. Until that happens, there won't be any second guessing. But for what I know right now, everyone's balls in, and they don't want to, uh, they don't, they don't want to uh, mess with what's going on or or mess up the World Baseball Classic. But obviously, a catastrophic injury would put some doubt on how they set this thing up, and and probably would just det- uh, what is it detract players from actually signing up like Trout. But so far, like through the first few World Baseball classes, we, we really haven't seen any kind of injury. We've seen a little tweaks where they might miss a couple weeks because they strained something or they pulled something. Yeah, but, but that's think, normal spring training stuff anyway. Yeah, but but I think for the most part, the Major League Baseball's been on it. And they they're they're you know, if they got guys that are participating in the classic, they'll stretch them out earlier than normal than just the pitchers and catchers reporting, you know, they'll, they'll get them in to some regimens to where they can start having some actual practice to where maybe that those injuries get avoided. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, the fact that so far so good, there hasn't been any major injuries and no, we're not jinxing it. We're simply stating a fact that, you know, in the past things have been a little more kosher. There hasn't been, you know, any injuries. I mean, you got, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I mean, the World Baseball Classic is fun, right? It's it's the World Cup of baseball fans. Now, I don't know enough about soccer to know how the soccer season works out. I do watch every World Cup because, you know, there's just so much implications there. But um, you do ever see a situation where the World Baseball Classic becomes a much bigger deal to casual baseball fans? Or do you think it'll it'll always just kind of be a thing for people like us who just love the game? I think it might, you know, it depends on this year again. I think if this year catches the attention of people and they're, you know, they're already psyched for baseball to start, then you have meaningful games instead of spring training. I think if you have a real exciting, close, close games, maybe some drama, maybe a fight or two, um, you know, maybe the U.S. squeaking one out in a a highly, you know, uh, you know, what if Trout takes Otani deep to win the whole damn thing? Um, if you have something spectacular like that, fans are going to start crying for more of it next year instead of waiting for the next round. And if that's the case, then this thing could take off because whenever you mix countries together and have, you know, this country versus that country and the pride that, you know, maybe you have two guys like the angels who are going to be playing for different countries because that's, you know, where they originate from. I think that's an added bonus, man, to see players play for different teams, their home countries. And I'm telling you, if it, if it takes off this year, they're going to probably try to lobby to see if they can get it every two years instead of every you know, four. Yeah, but the Olympics is every four years. The World Cup is every four years. I mean, why would this be any different? Why would why, Well, what's the need to carry on a tradition that's only been around a few years anyway? I mean, there's always can always change it up man. i mean i i think nowadays unless you've got something in a hundred years you know like because that's the thing that baseball was the slowest one to change of any sport you know to acclimate their different rules and and get away from the unwritten rules it's like they're still trying to get away from some of that and they're still considered behind the times you know why not give the fans what they want if the fans want this every other year i say do it yeah, I guess it has to make sense for Major League Baseball. Now, one thing that I'll de- – that, you know, while we're on the topic of Major League Baseball and how frequently the World Baseball Classic will come around, I think Major League Baseball needs to do a much better job at marketing the World Baseball Classic. You don't know how many people I've told about it and heard them say, I, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. What is the World Baseball Classic? Oh, it's like the World Cup. I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Like, So it's just like – you know, everyone knows that the Olympics happen every four years. Everyone knows that the World Cup happens every four years. Why isn't Major League Baseball making this a more apparent thing? They they are the worst at advertising in general. Yep. To be honest with you, they 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 do not know how to market. I I don't I don't remember a time in baseball where they marketed players other the last well the last time I remember where they were marketing players good was the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Ken Griffey Jr., Big Hurt days. Since those days, 
you really don't see commercials with baseball players in them. I mean, it's rare. Uh, you have a lot of good personalities out there. Your Tim Anderson's, your Aaron Judge. Um, you know, Shohei could be used for you know if, if he wanted to be because he's a he's a funny guy. He's got a lot of charisma. Uh, Mike Trout, if he wanted to be, you could use. But it just seems like they're they're being marketed as you know selling certain sponsorships to smaller type things. They're not mainstream. You don't see them like on Taco Bell commercials or. Or or stuff that's like on any channel that you could you know that and that's the problem. They're they're just the PR department for Major League Baseball is terrible. Uh, they don't they do not know how to sell the sport, and it's only the hardcore fans, the young ones that find it uh, cool at times. I mean, you could reach out and get the the young people uh, into into baseball, and you can get the females into baseball and stuff like that, but. The marketing is so terrible, dude. I mean, they, they literally, a lot of the times, the casual fan doesn't start watching to the postseason or close to the postseason, and they don't know the rosters because, well, they're not marketed good. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a pretty well-known thing that Major League Baseball should be doing a much better job at marketing their superstars. Like, you know, Otani is marketed pretty well in Japan. I think that's pretty well-known. You know, he's on he has sunglasses, he just signed a deal with New Balance, you know, you name it. Like in Japan, Otani is marketed very well, but in the States, he really isn't. Like, I guarantee you, if you go up to a hundred just random people who don't watch sports, more of them will probably know, I don't know, Patrick Mahomes than would know Shohei Otani. It's not because either one's more talented than the other, it's just the fact that the NFL tends to market a lot better. And I mean, that's coming from a guy who hate, who really doesn't care at all about football, mm-hmm. but you know, the NFL tends to be a little better at marketing. Well, absolutely. You know, the players and, and see the thing is they don't, they don't cover that too much here in the States with, with major league baseball players. Like you only find out about them. Like say for instance, a guy like Tati sold himself because of his antics on the field, because of his yep. bat flips uh, players like that can can market themselves because people emulate that in in their real life. When they play softball, they want to bat flip. They want to they want to have the braids or the or the hat on backwards like Ken Griffey Jr. or or wear the Nike stuff that that Tatis does and other players. So if you're doing stuff like that that catches the eye of the casual fan or is a Sports Center highlight when Sports Center is a thing or MLB Network, you know people are gonna yeah you're fly. showing your age there, Father Time. Exactly. <laughs> or FS1. Um, no, I mean, if, if you're able to to catch the eye of the, the kids, I mean, the adults follow. It's the other way around. You know, it's not, it, you know, and uh, you have a, a new new type of fan that wants to see something flashy. So the flashier players will sell themselves always. But a guy that comes out there like a Freddie Freeman, Freddie Freeman's a guy who's going to catch the hardcore fans, whereas he's not really a standout type player to where everybody knows him although he's had a great career he doesn't do anything spectacular he's just a good hitter but though but he's a type of hitter that should be marketed yeah yeah and that's where it's baseball's job to market those guys the guys who the fans should respect because they're good guys you know they're community men they're family guys you know they might not be as vocal so they might need a little bit of help getting that commercial you know, like Tatis was what on a Dairy Queen commercial or something last year. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, a dude like, who played zero games and got but got popped for PEDs was on a Dairy Queen commercial. Well, here's a good example. Like in the NFL, J.J. Watt, right? He played for yep. Houston and he played for Arizona, two not big, you know, markets in yep. the NFL. However, he was marketed good because he was a sack leader. And and then also he did a lot of good in the community when they had a hurricane. He donated money. He set up funds. Um, he was uh, they used him in commercials. They used the fact that he got a bloody nose, you know, sometimes from and just played hardcore. So if you're able to do that too with your baseball players that get dirty, that are making the big hits all the time, clutch, you got to know how to market that. And I don't think the you know the MLB does a good job of that. Uh, like Francisco Lindor, he's not the greatest hitter out there. He went, he went to New York. All of a sudden, he's getting commercials. They use the fact that he has an accent, but he's funny. He has funny mannerisms, and it pays off. He's making funny commercials, and he's marketable. 
So you could you, you don't necessarily need like the the most charismatic guy. You just need someone that that is a top player on a team, and you can make him instead of being a regional star, a national star. And I think that's what they're terrible at doing. So if you can make a guy like I said, JJ Watt, in a in a you know Houston's a big market, but not a big market football team, not a well known football team, but you can make him a superstar and known throughout America and as far as all NFL fans, why can't you do that for some of these MLB guys? All right, let me ask you this. When you think Mike Trout, how many commercials can you name that he's been in? I don't know. I, I know it's probably over 10. He's been, he's been in t- different commercials, but like I said, it's more regional. Well, which ones like, can you, like I said, what, what comes to your mind when you think Mike Trout commercials? You know, I know you're, you're talking about, you know, them needing to market guys. So, you know, when you think Mike Trout and you think a commercial. I know he did stuff for like, I think it was Under Armour or one of those baseball type things. It was a, like equipment type stuff. And I think he's done a Subway commercial before. Yeah, the chicken, the sweet onion chicken teriyaki or whatever. Like, oh, this is my, this is Mike's way. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's not too many. I know. Do you remember the Jeep commercial? No. Yeah, he was in a Jeep commercial. I forgot exactly what happened. Like he was late to baseball practice or whatever, Mm. or like the kid was late to practice, and um, the mom drove them in his in her Jeep like over like the hills or whatever, like this bumpy terrain. And Mike Trout was like, "Thanks, mom." When they got (laughs) when he got dropped off um, by the kid's mom, and then I think. I, my the first commercial I remember Trout being in was in like an MLB commercial when there was a little kid playing Simon Says with Mike Trout. Jeez, you're showing your age. I don't remember that one. Yeah, that was like 2013, 2014, where it was like Simon Says steal the base and Mike Trout was like, you know, sliding into second base. Simon Says hit a home run. So I remember that. But see, like that was an MLB commercial. And those are the commercials that they should be doing, right? You know, these are your guys. Market your guys. Yeah, yeah, but they, they just they just don't do it. Like for me, I would use his golf swing. Everyone loves how far he can hit a ball. Like they should have did something with the Masters. You know, what I mean, like have these guys try to you know the regular guys that are on the Masters tee off on a, on a uh, the first hole or something, and then Mike Trout walk up in there and be like, "You call that a drive?" And then he could just hit one, you know, and it would be awesome. It'd be like him showing up a golfer, and but it'd be funny at the same time. But you know, they don't use crap like that. You gotta be you gotta think outside the box because then. That can get golfing fans into, you know, there's a lot of golfing fans that are baseball fans, but you can be like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, he hit that one like 500 yards or something, you know? Yeah. Uh, Something's got to change at some point. You know, the MLB has to start learning how to market their guys because eventually, I mean, it's going to catch up to them. I mean, you know, I know you're not a big basketball guy, but you got to admit basketball does a decent job marketing their guys. You know, you go up to 100 people, almost everyone knows who LeBron James is. Almost everyone knows who, you know, uh, Steph Curry is. Almost everyone knows who Kevin Durant is. You don't have to be a sports fan to know who those guys are. You know, and, you know, I was talking about the NFL earlier. It's the same thing with Tom Brady when he was playing or Peyton Manning. Like, you know, most people know these, you know, these players because they do things publicly. You know, they do the late night talk shows. They do the Saturday Night Live. They do stuff like that. You, you just hardly see that kind of stuff with MLB. Yeah, I know. That's that's the thing. I mean, the the NBA has always uh, been able to market themselves really good compared to what, you know, baseball's done, football and everything else like that. Same thing. And I bet that drives you crazy. Oh, it does, especially now, like <laughs> as far as like, you know, because basketball back in the day was like it was more fun. You know, I, that's another show altogether. But what I want to what I want to do, though, if I could transition, man. Check check this out real quick. Okay. Because here's the roster for the American team. Okay. Uh, the catchers are JT Raylan Multo from the from the Phillies, Will Smith from the Dodgers, Kyle Hishasako for the Yankees, uh, Pete Alonso from the Mets, Paul Goldschmidt is first base with the Cardinals, second base is Jeff McNeil, third base is Nolan Arandano. Uh, shortstop is Tim Anderson, Trey Turner for the Phillies, Bobby Witt Jr. from the Royals. So it's a nice young core right there. Yeah. Outfielders are Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Kyle Schwarber, 
Kyle Tucker from the Astros and Cedric Mullins, dude. Yeah, they have a very, very stacked uh, U.S. team. There's no doubt about that at all. Very talented. I mean, you, you, if you give me MLB The Show and you tell me to build a dream team, most of those guys are going to be on there. I mean, Real Muto, Pete Alonzo, Nolan Arenado. You said Paul Goldschmidt, obviously Trout, Mookie Bet. I mean, are you kidding me? I understand the starting pitching is not as strong. But that lineup is just nasty. But you remember, you remember the first couple, uh, you know, Team USA's. They they couldn't pull this kind of names. They really couldn't. And, and this, it just seems like this year you had guys volunteering, you know, that are superstars. They had to turn guys away because you look at the right-handed pitching. And they got uh, Adam Wainwright, Lance Lynn, Jason Adams, uh, Daniel Bard. Uh, David Benar from the uh, Pirates, he's pretty good. Kev, uh, Kendall Graveman from the Sox, Merrill Kelly, Nick Martinez, uh, Miles Malakis from the Cardinals, Adam Ottaveno from the Mets, Ryan Presley, good closer from the Astros, Brady Singer from the Royals, Devin Williams from the Brewers, along with Clayton Kershaw, Nestor Cortez from the Yankees, and Brooks Raley from the Mets. So I pulled up the 2006 Team USA. So the very first World Baseball Classic. I'm going to go through the roster here. It's not as bad as I remember it being. Okay. Okay. So once again, for those of you guys listening who might be lost, this is for 2006, which was the very first World Baseball Classic ever. All right. We're going to go with the pitchers first. Roger Clemens, Chad Cordero, Brian Fuentes, Todd Jones, Al Leiter, Brad Lidge, Gary Majitsky, Joe Nathan, Jake Peavy, Scott Shields, Houston Street, Mike Timlin, Dan Wheeler, Dontrell Willis. So that was the pitchers. Some pretty good names there, especially for 2006. Yeah. All right, now we go to the position players starting with catchers. Michael Barrett, Brian Schneider, Jason Veritek, Derek Jeter, Chipper Jones, Derek Lee, Alex Rodriguez, Mark Teixeira, Chase Utley. Michael Young, Johnny Damon, Jeff Rancourt, Ken Griffey Jr., Matt Holliday, Vernon Wells, and Randy Wynn. So the 016 USA, obviously not as star-studded as this year's cast, but still pretty damn good. It was good, but I noticed a lot of those guys were in the twilight of their career. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, you know, you had Ken Griffey Jr., you had Johnny Damon, who was still an on-base machine. Alex Rodriguez was still, yeah, he was, yeah, maybe he was exiting his prime, but he was still there in 06. You know, Michael Young was still really good with Texas at that time. Mark Teixeira was still really good. Um, and I know a lot of Angels fans are going to hate me for saying that. Just remember, he's the reason we got Mike Trout. Um, Derek Lee, Derek Jeter was still in his prime. Jason Veritek was still in his prime. Uh Houston Street was just entering his prime as the, one of the best closers in baseball. Joe Nathan, same kind of thing. Jake Peavy was, uh, you know, cream of the crop pitcher back then. And Roger Clemens was still good at his old age. Yeah, the pitching wasn't a problem on that team, that's for sure. Because if, if I remember, memory serves me right, they could not hit that good in that series, in the in the, uh, in the the tournament. Yeah, I think they made it to the semifinals, if memory serves correctly. Yeah. I, mean, I think they lost to Japan. Yeah, they got beat by somebody pretty good. Like, they could not score. Yeah, I know for sure Japan won that year. Mm-hmm. Because right now, I mean, I'm looking at some of these rosters, and you've got players that are coming through on teams that you wouldn't think. Like, the Italy team's not that bad. Canadian team's not that bad. Dominican Republic is loaded. Um, oh, yeah, every time. Yeah, Venezuela team is pretty good. Um, you have the Chechen team in there for the first time. The Australian team has a lot of good up-and-coming minor leaguers we're going to see. Netherlands has a team. So, it's going to be... Is Hamilton Simmons playing for the Netherlands this year? That's what I want to check. No, I'd have to look that up. You would think so. Yeah, he normally plays for the Netherlands. I know he did in 2017. Yeah, I'll check that out right now while you're looking at that. Let's see here. Uh... Most of the guys that got are minors. I don't see him on here. 
Except yeah, he's, well, they, he's on there. They, they do have Alexander Bogarts, and yes, they do have Anderson Simmons. Yes. <laughs> they have a pretty decent roster too. Yeah, they have Don, not as uh, star-studded as some of these others, but no, I mean, certainly not laughable. Yeah, I mean, they got Gregorius, uh, Profar, Shoop. Um, yeah, so they get they got some guys. So you guys are going to spring training. Are you planning on going to the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, I'm planning to go when they uh, well, not the World Baseball Classic, but I'm planning to go when the Angels play in a warm up with the Americans. Okay. I think that's on the 7th, 7th of May. Okay, I think by then Trout should be on Team USA, correct? Yes, correct. That'll be interesting. Mike Trout goes, yeah, yeah, against, I don't know, who would he be be facing on the Angels at that time? Oh, you'd probably be thinking... um... Because Sandoval would probably would have already gone to Team Mexico. Otani would have gone to Team Japan. So who would he be facing? Tyler Anderson? Maybe Anderson or or Detmers. Reed Detmers, yeah, Reed Detmers. Or maybe comeback kid Griffin Canning. <laughs> Just freaking pips a home right against Griffin Canning. You never know. You could hang one of those patented curveballs and then Trout oh. takes him over the left field wall. Yeah, maybe. Well, that'll be an entertaining game for you to see for sure. Um, okay, so as we slowly wrap up about World Baseball Classic, do you have any closing thoughts about it? Maybe what you're looking forward to seeing? Um, well, I mean, I'm not going to be too interested in seeing like like the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Japan, Korea get their starts. I'm going to be focusing on the first few, first couple games to see what teams like the underdogs, like the Netherlands, Canada, Chechnya, Mexico. I want to see what those those teams do, and uh, I'll be pulling for them to pull some upsets unless they're playing America. But um, but yeah, I'll focus on that the first couple games, and then. I want. I definitely want to see every U.S. game, and hopefully they can they can repeat with Trout on the team. That'd be awesome. But um, but I definitely think they're going to be in the semifinals, if not the championship again. Yeah, I mean, Team USA definitely has an opportunity to um, to make a splash for sure. I mean, you know, when you're looking at teams who are going to be competitive, Team USA is one of those for sure. Also, uh, Team Japan is always competitive in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, they won half of them. Well, you know, see, and then, this ahead. is the thing, though. When, they, when, when the Americans first started this thing, there wasn't pressure on them to win it or even, you know, do it. It was embarrassing the first couple times that – they couldn't put a good squad out there. So the last couple of times, including this one, they're putting their A game out there because, you know, everyone, every other country did it. So it it really, the rest of the competition in the field got the Americans to really take this seriously. And now that the Americans are taking this seriously, other countries are up in their game too. So I think it's going to make the, it's going to make it really competitive. Yeah. As it should, right? I mean, yeah. You know, you, you you have this contest because you want there to be some parity, right? And the fact that we've gotten to see three different champions in four in four tournaments, I mean, that's good. You know, it, it means that the game is healthy. You know, you don't want Team USA to win every year. I mean, look at the uh, look at how it was with hockey with the Olympics for the longest time, right? Before uh, the U.S. beat the Russian team. I mean, you know. It, it was constantly just the U.S. getting their ass kicked by Canada and, and some of these European countries, right? Mm-hmm. wasn't until, you know, recently, and by recently, I mean, like, what, from the 80s beyond, where, like, the U.S. finally started having a little bit of fight when it came to hockey, because before that, they were just getting their cheeks clapped. Pretty much, pretty much. And it's sort of like the, um, it, it took the same thing that happened with the NBA when they when they would go over there in the Olympics and they would dominate year after year. It was kind of boring the rest of the world caught up to them. And so now they have to send their best guys over there just to compete. Yeah. And the U S still kind of claps everyone's cheeks. So it's still kind of not fun. <laughs> it's only yeah. just Spain and the, and the U S and Spain's because the Gasol brothers. But Croatia too. Some, you know, these guys that, you know, they'll have some players that'll just go on a run. You know, it's not like before where they just blow out teams by 60 points. That's that's not the case anymore. So. But that's all I got for the World Baseball Classic. Okay. 
Uh, I mean, I'm sure that's we'll probably talk about that at least once more before it starts. I mean, it starts in about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for those of you guys wondering, the first game that the U.S. will be playing in is on Saturday, March 11th. That'll be at Chase Field in Arizona. So if you guys are going to spring training, you might want to check that out. That game starts at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And they'll be playing against Great Britain. Uh, the U.S. will be playing almost every day after that. Sunday the 12th, they play against Team Mexico, and that's at 7 o'clock. This is all Mountain Standard Time, by the way. Monday the 13th, they play against Canada. Tuesday the 14th is their only day off to start the tournament. And then on Wednesday, March 15th, they play against Colombia. So, Ooh. yeah, that'll be that'll be a good game. Besides that, I mean, the U.S. should be able to kind of steamroll through Pool C. You know, no disrespect to some of these other um, organizations, or sorry, any of these other countries. I mean, you know, as a proud Mexican man myself, I'm going to be pulling for Team Mexico, but I know they're going to get their cheeks clapped because Team Mexico always does in the World Baseball Classic. It's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they don't have as much of the uh, of the international talent as some of these other countries do. Okay, um before we, you know, kind of uh shoot the uh shoot the uh, poop here about uh, the Angels to to kind of wrap up. Real quick, I want to get your opinion on this Roger Lodge situation. So I sent you uh the tweet and the video where Roger Lodge says, you can call me a boot-licking house man if you want. Okay, what was your immediate reaction when you heard him say, boot-licking house man? That he's heard it from our side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's words gotten back, you know, like, uh, you know, our fans tweet, you know, tweet him out and, uh, we, you know, we kind of put it out there too. And uh, I, I think he's starting to find because this is the first year that he I can ever, um, you know, listen to him on his show because I, I I listened to his show right right after Artie had signed or, or stayed on and announced it, and it was the funniest thing because usually he would just detract and not take any calls, not take any uh, messages or tweets or read any of them, especially if they were negative, and this is the first year where he actually stood in in the in the front of the fire and took it. And and actually was like naming. He actually was giving out the handles of the people that were <laughs> sending him the stuff, and he was reading it. And and uh, you know, I give him credit for that. But you know, I think he's finally feeling the heat, man. People are tired of this, always having to be positive in negative times. I mean, it's okay to boo. It's okay to criticize. It's okay to be upset with your organization that you root for. And I think he's never grasped that till now. And even then. He took the bootlicking house man thing and ran with it, you know. So yeah, I, I, the second so we got tagged in it, and um, the person was like, "Don't let Halos in the infield see this." And I was like, "What are they tagging us in?" Because then, like, some people kind of started like responding to that, and I saw it, and I was like, "Oh, dude, like, I, I didn't believe that he said bootlicking house man." And there it was like the last like six seconds. He's like, "You can call me a bootlicking house man if you want." Sorry. You can call me a boot-looking house man if you want. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, he actually said it. And I said it to all of you guys, and I was like, there's no way he doesn't know that the show exists. Now, I'm not flattering ourselves. We're not, you know, we're never going to be the biggest angel show, nor is that our intention. Our intention is to, you know, be true to who we are, not, not be afraid to call Artie or ownership out for their BS. But at the end of the day, we are Angels fans, just like everyone else, who reflect the raw emotions that Angels fans feel in a natural situation. If Angels fans are angry because, you know, a, uh, there was a bad call that cost us the game, we're mad because there was a bad call that cost us the game because that's what we are. We're the reaction and the pulse of how fans feel at that moment. And right now, the overwhelming majority of Angels fans are frustrated. Have we had a good offseason on paper? Sure. You know, Perry Manazian's done a great job of building the inside and depth of this team. Maybe not the core, because the core already existed. Now it was about supporting the core. And for once, I mean, last year, how many times did I say it? Perry needs to make the right move, not the, uh, not the big move. And this year was a perfect example of what I meant by that. And I'm sure you'll agree. 
Perry didn't make the sexy move. He made the right moves. You know, we didn't get Carlos Correa. We got Brandon Drury. We didn't get, you know, Garrett Cole from a couple years ago. No, we got Tyler Anderson this year for the, you know, a decent price compared to some of these other big contracts that were signed. So, you know, we're, we're not afraid to call the organization out if we feel that there's something wrong because someone has to. So the fact that Roger Lodge knows the term bootlicking houseman, not only knows it, but acknowledged it publicly, that's, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I think that is the page, and specifically you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like you, you're talking about the roster. They He got the best for what he had to pay, and, and yeah, they spent money this this season, this off season, but the right way, like you said. So I think that when you have all these baseball annou- uh, announcers and, and other analysts come out there and say, "Hey, you know what? The Angels had a B plus A minus type off season so far." You know, we can totally agree. And as far as our page getting the names out there or getting our voices heard, it's because the fans want an alternative. And I think you're going to see more of a push towards that, whether it's our page or another one that acts the same. Um, they're tired of the, the hunky dory. Everything's, you know, great, you know, and, and you know, uh, but you can only polish a turd so much. In the end, it's still a turd. So, <laughs> so you, so, so if it, if the team's a turd, we're gonna call them out, and that's what we've done. Unfortunately, the first two years, like off air, me and you are are like, man, we would love to be the opposite and be, you know, excited and and be pro angels this whole time, but it's hard to. When the team on the field is doing what they've done, now they've given us a lot to look forward to. But like in previous podcasts, we got that dark cloud hanging over us and Shohei Otani. And then that's going to damper a lot of the success if we have success because then it's like, are we going to get them back? Are we going to keep them? Because despite what people think when the season starts, yeah, we're going to be all in the season and everything. But in the back of your head, you're thinking the future. You're thinking, what are we going to do in the next two years? Is he going to be part of this team? So that to me is going to be the thing that's going to be bothering me all year. Even if we get off to a hot April or a hot May, uh, what are we doing with Otani? Has that been situated yet? Or, you know, is it yeah. going to be, you know, that's, that's going to be my problem. I think the funny part is on the phone, you and I tend to be a lot more like on the phone, not on air. We tend to be a lot more halo honky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you and I have both admitted like, man, we used to, I, I used to be a halo honk for sure. You know, there was a time period where Artie could do no wrong. I thought Artie was the best owner in sports because we were consistently making the playoffs. You know, he was a public figure. There was no controversy. There wasn't these back-end deals. You know, there wasn't all this news about the minor leaguers not getting paid well. You know, we didn't know that he was skimping out of medical budgets for for the minor leagues. You know, we didn't know that he was... Uh, not providing the minimum amount of meals or as many meals as some of these other uh, organizations or have the angels do the bare minimum, which is two men in a twin size bed per room when other organizations are like, no, it's going to be one guy per room in a queen size bed. You know, like this is just the kind of stuff we didn't know. And now it becomes more public, but see, like that's what happens as people tend to make more money as they tend to become more powerful in the world and in society, people start to find this stuff out and then people start to call them out. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, if you can't call out your boss, you can't call out your manager for, you know, maybe not always doing the right things or maybe not always dotting their eyes or crossing their T's, then what can you do and who can you call out? You know, maybe it's a little different because, you know, in my job, and you know what I do, I'm not worried. You know, I'm high enough for the company that I can kind of say what I want and I have the free range. You know, somebody who works at McDonald's, for instance, there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but if you do, you know, you might be a little more afraid to call out your, your manager or your district manager or whatever because, you know, there's so much oversight there. For me, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be high enough at the top of the pyramid here to be like, hey, I'm not afraid to call people out. So that's kind of like why on the show, you and I aren't afraid to call out the Angels' ownership. Yeah, do we want press passes and stuff? Sure, that would be great. But at the end of the day, the second that we start accommodating ownership and not you know, 
being true to the fans just so we can sell out and get on the field to make some stupid as lineup videos, then that's when, you know, we've failed our audience and our community. Yeah, because we've always wanted to represent the fan. That's not the fan. You know, exactly. the, 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 we we're, I pride myself and you do as well of having the, of knowing the pulse of the fan of the angels fan. And if we're going to, if we're going to know the pulse of the angels fan, maybe we don't deserve those <laughs> press passes. If, if we have to fake the funk and say, no, 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 no. The angels fans aren't thinking that way. They're yeah. sunshine lollipops. That's not the, that's not true. Maybe there'll be sunshine and lollipops when we can get back to a point where we're, where we're uh, banging uh, thunder sticks again. But until we get to that point, you know, we have to be real. Exactly. You know, I would love to be sitting here in a mythical world where Artem Moreno never had all these back-end deals and all these issues, and we didn't have players die of narcotics, you know, under the watch of the organization. Like, I wish we lived in a world where none of this stuff ever happened. Unfortunately, we don't. We live in a different, uh, you know, universe where we currently sit right now. You know, we've seen the Tyler Skaggs scandal happen. You know, and here's the thing that's completely different. I mean, we've seen what happened. Look when Nick Aidenhart died. The Angels organization was very classy about it. They properly represented Nick Aidenhart and his family. And I understand it was different because there wasn't an active lawsuit because the Angels didn't have anything to do with the passing of Nick Aidenhart. You know, it was unfortunately a freak incident, you know, and there was just an unfortunate life lost by a drunk driver. You know, and as unfortunate as it is, it does happen. I wish it didn't, but unfortunately, in the world we live in, you know, mistakes happen, evil happens. Whatever you perceive that event as, it's an unfortunate world we live in. But what I can say is that I don't believe the organization has properly handled the Tyler Skaggs incident. No, and they had their opportunity to, and they didn't. And uh, I think that's where... I think even Skagg's mom, I think when it first happened, she was out there throwing out the first pitch and she was all pro organization. But I think the more stuff that came out, the the fact they didn't handle it right away, keep it in house even for the most part, or at least between law enforcement and what they had to do in court, uh, the way it's being dragged out now, it's terrible. It's a terrible look on the organization. It's a terrible look on Artie Moreno. It's one of the main reasons why everyone thought he was going to sell and actually hold to his word. But um, here we are, and now we have to move forward. And now that you're going to be getting these negative reports and negative, uh, you know, headlines from different courts, because it's not going to be just a Skaggs thing that we're going to hear about. Yeah, you know, and I'm hoping there's some resolution to this soon. But, you know, we've already talked about it, man. It's going to get uglier before it gets better. And unfortunately, I don't think we've gotten to see the ugly yet. Hopefully it can stay as under wraps as possible, and, and hopefully we're wrong. Something changes, but um, you know, th- this is a topic I'm sure on Fourth we're going to be talking about plenty this year as more and more continues to come out about it. So we won't dive too deep into the Tyler Skaggs situation because it's an unfortunate situation. And to be honest, just you know, for the sake of Skaggs' family, I mean, at some point we have to try to move on as an organization. But it would be nice if something changed. Maybe you throw his name on calling all angels or his his image on calling all angels. I don't know if they have. Actually, I think they have, right? Didn't no, they throw right, right, right yeah. where uh, they put all the jerseys on the mound? I'm pretty sure that's on there. Yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, calling all angels might not be used this year. I think before games. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, something about now the rules change. So now like the organization actually has to pay money for all those hype videos, like for the music they use. Cause I think back in the day you just used the song and if the artist said anything, then, oh, well, but I think nowadays, I think now you actually have to pay for it or something. And you know, this isn't you downloading a song on Apple music. You know, there's a lot more hoops that goes into it. Well, yeah, Metallica was used forever. And the fact that they haven't used that, they, they went with a, Pretty much a um, EDM they, type intro. They, the last they went through with the song uh, "The Drum" by The Siege. Yeah, they changed. Yeah, it. I used to love "Enter uh, Sandman" being used. My favorite was back in the day when the when they used to have the logo, the what angel logo, uh, on the jumbotron, fly through all the stadiums, destroying all the other logos. I thought that was cool. 
But uh, I, I'm, I don't remember that. Maybe that was before my time. My first I mean, Angels game in person was 2005. Okay. Yeah, that was before then. Okay, yeah, yeah. That was that was my first game. I remember I grew up in San Diego, and my dad was a Padres fan. So I oh. never got to go to Angels games, you know. I remember always begging my dad, let's go to an Angels game. And he was like, but the Padres are right here. So, <laughs> yeah, in 2005, I was finally able to convince him to take me. So I'll never forget that. Seeing Vlad Guerrero a senior play in person and watching John Lackey pitch. Man, I that an Angels game was just so much more fun than a Padres game was as a kid. And in 05, the Padres actually made the playoffs. So they were actually still decent at that time. That was actually the first of two straight uh, NL West Division titles. But, like, it was so different. Like, you went to a Padres game, and, like, my whole damage with Padres fans is, like, they don't always exist in the sense of, like, they're not always present. Like, Angels fans show up no matter what. Even when the team sucks, the Angels were still drawing 3 million fans. It, it took COVID to finally end that. I don't think they hit 3 million last year. But, um, you know, Angels fans are always there, man. They always show up. They always wear their gear with pride. Like, there was a long time where you go to a Padres game and nobody was wearing anything Padres. You know, they were, just, they were wearing board shorts and some kind of Hawaiian button-up shirt that looked ugly. And they'd go there with their friends and then we just drink beer. And that was a Padres game. Like, people didn't go there to watch the game. People go to Angels games to watch the games. Yeah, they have more into it fans. I mean, it's 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 uh, although the culture changed last year with the Padres, but before that, yeah, you could easily see Angels fans were were more into the games for sure. Uh, yeah. Padres fans were just going through the motions. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it was the word Padre fan was a very loose term. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was more of just a generic kind of situation. Yep. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it, that's what I've always loved about Angels games. And, you know, I, I know eventually the good old days will come back. It's just getting back to it, you know. And, and we'll see. Maybe in a world where we start winning again, maybe Artie sells the team. Because clearly he, there was something he didn't get out of the sell process. You know, people are saying, well, maybe he didn't get the asking price he was wanting. But it's like the guy was going to get about $3 billion. Mm-hmm. Like, literally. What more? What more did you want? Yeah, that's true. What did you expect? I mean, you know, you didn't spend a lot of money for the team. It was what in the two hundred million range or in the hundred million dollar range? When he bought it? Yes. Uh, yeah, it was one eighty three. So, I mean, look, look where we are now. Yeah. You know, he was he was about to make approximately just under three billion dollars. I'm telling you, Disney made a, a huge mistake. They should have just waited for those TV contracts. Yeah, they, but they they went with ESPN. That's true. That's true. And I mean, look what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, now who watches ESPN? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was also a different time back then. ESPN was the thing. You know what I mean? Like. What what year what year was that? Oh three? And what year did Disney officially buy ESPN? Do we know that? Mm, I don't know, but I know that they bought ABC and Okay, and, so ABC acquired ESPN in nineteen eighty four. Yeah. And then uh the Walt Disney Company acquired ABC's parent company in nineteen ninety six. Okay, so that's when Disney technically bought ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nowadays, I mean, you know, who watches Sports Center? Now, you know, I watch Sports Center in a hotel room to go to sleep. Like that's my background noise, ESPN. But realistically, I mean, I'd rather watch MLB Network or if I want to watch something about hockey, I'm going to go to NHL Network because I don't want to sit there and listen to them talk about, you know, the National Lacrosse League with all due respect to those athletes or, you know, I don't care about college sports. So I don't want to watch them talk about college sports. Oh, and, you know, here's two seconds. The Angels lost 6-3 to three against, you know, the Detroit Tigers today. Yeah, they don't show all the highlights of every game like they used to. So you don't get that. And then they jump from one sport to another habitually. So it's better if you want the sport you want to watch. People have gone away from that. 
So if you want to watch NBA and get, only get NBA scores, watch the Hornets take on the Hawks and see who won in the highlights. Well, you're going to watch the M, uh, NBA network if not. And even then, like those networks are dying because now most people just go on their phone and go to the NBA app. You want to watch the Hornets? Great. You go to the Hornets section on the NBA app and there's, you know, the first video is typically all the game highlights right there. Or you can look at certain clips, you know, that's that's just the world we live in now. You want to watch it, you go to YouTube. You know, name it, type it on the internet, you know, Angels versus Tigers, and there's everything right there. Like, I don't need to go on even MLB Network anymore. You know, all this stuff is becoming so obsolete in, in today's world. I can get it now. I don't have to sit there for 45 minutes and look at Rachel Nichols talk about whatever the hell. I, well, Rachel yeah. Nichols got fired because I think of the whole situation in the bubble, but, you know. That's a topic mm-hmm. for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, all right, man. Uh, anything else in closing? I think that's it, man. Just looking forward to pitchers and catchers reporting. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer. So, you know, we'll see if any other news. Uh, I, okay, last question I'll, I'll hit you with. And um, I want your honest opinion. You don't have to go super into depth because I'm sure this will be a, a topic we, we discuss again on our last episode before spring training. Are, is this do you is this the Angels roster we're going to go into the season with, or do you think the Angels make any more moves? I know we've talked about this a couple times, but we keep on saying, well, they're probably going to make one more move. They're going to make one more move, and they haven't yet. Are they done? No, I think I'm I'm waiting for one more, not blockbuster deal, but one. Eyebrow, eyebrow raising uh, trade before the pit, either before spring training or or right around when pitchers and catchers really start getting going. I think you're going to see one more deal for the Angels that's like borderline blockbuster, but not quite. And then I think before the season starts, we're going to see another move or two uh, that's going to either strengthen the bullpen or again strengthen the bench. Okay. Yeah, I mean. At some point, the other shoe's got to drop, right? At some point, there has to be another move made. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time. Like, the Angels are close, but this is not a like guaranteed playoff roster. It's a fringe playoff roster. They're going to be competing for a second or third wild card spot. But that's the thing. The Angels are always in that boat where they're like, well, we're going to be contending for a second or third wild card spot. And then we're always hoping they make a move at the deadline. Why don't we just make the move now and then adjust course if needed? Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. Make another move later if you need one. Right now, why don't we just try to get just a little closer? Yeah, a lot's going to depend on what we do here um, moving forward, like as far as other players need, uh, other teams needs there could be an injury or two um they you know and they they look at the depth that the that the angels have so there there's going to be some moves i think that that's going to happen plus the angels are probably going to be like hey we, we need a little more strength either in the back end of that bullpen or maybe uh, in, the, in the uh on the bench and i think that's what's going to happen well well time will tell for sure but while you're on the topic of strength, I want to remind all of you guys to make sure to follow the podcast on all of our social media outlets. Just simply type in Halos in the Infield. You're obviously already listening to this, so if you're not subscribed already, make sure to subscribe. And I understand this is an audio-only episode, but head on over to YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe on our backlog of episodes that we've already had. Rainey's got his new show coming up, the Halo uh, Recap Show, uh, where he reviews the week that is of Angels Baseball. Right now, he won't be doing any episodes until spring training starts. But once that is up and running, make sure to give him a follow. He did release his first episode already. Uh, And when we're on the topic of friends releasing episodes, Catella Chronicles is always plugging away. Make sure you follow Dominic and David over there. They do a great job over at Catella Chronicles. Follow them on social media while you're at it, too. And make sure to check out Halo Joe's Halo Rewind. He does a great job. The man with the golden voice. Absolutely love having him around. He's supposed to be coming on the show soon uh, to talk some uh, angels with Todd and I. So make sure to follow his Facebook page as well. He's got the best Angels Facebook page. I guarantee you that. Just type in Halo Joe's. Uh, Todd, anything else? That's it. 
All right. Well, uh, before we close, I just want to say thanks to Todd, man. Like I said, I've uh, your boys had a couple of rough uh, weeks here, and uh, Todd, uh, you're you're a good friend, man. So I just want to tell everyone publicly that uh, I want to publicly thank you for uh, you know obviously always being uh, being a good friend. I mean, I know a lot of people kind of wonder if we're actually all friends off the show, and you know you, uh, Randy, James, and I, and you know Andrew and I. We're normally chit-chatting. You and I talk on a pretty daily basis. You know, I'll give you a phone call when I've got these long word trips. But, um, yeah, no, I, thanks, Todd, man. Yeah, you're, you're a really good friend, man. I, I really appreciate it. No, anytime, bro. You know we're there for each other, dude, because I had my bouts last year, and you guys all stepped up, So especially you, so I really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Well, uh, I guess on behalf of all of us here at Halos in the Infield, Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next show. Viva Los Angelitos! We hope you enjoyed this episode of Halos in the Infield. Make sure to follow all of us on social media, and make sure to tell your friends all about Halos in the Infield. Have a great day, and of course, Viva Los Angelitos!